Here is today's word from the Lord. Our Father, as we open your word this morning, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. Come and be our teacher. Father, we need to hear from you this day a word for our lives. Come and speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning is the ninth in a series of ten sermons entitled Life Lessons from Luke in which we're taking some of the words of Jesus and seeing how they might apply to us here in the 21st century as you and I seek to follow Him, as you and I seek to serve Him in today's world. This morning's life lesson is on personal responsibility. When you go to the bank to take out a loan, what is one of the first things they want to know? Who is going to be responsible? When you send your kids to school or on some activity, what is one of the first things you want to know? Who's going to be responsible for my child? In the kingdom of God, you and I are placed as stewards over our lives, our gifts, our talents, our treasure, our time. And God wants us to take responsibility for what has been entrusted to us. You say, well, God hasn't trusted me with much. I want to say you're wrong. What about your life? What about your lifestyle? What about your witness? That alone could say it all, but you've been entrusted with so much more. What about your children? What about your friendships? What about your job? God has entrusted me with my job? You've got to be kidding. I hate my job. People treat me bad on my job. I don't get paid enough on my job. God's provided that job not only to provide income for your needs, but also to be a positive witness for Jesus in the world. I could go on and on. Your education, your experiences, your spiritual gifts, your talents. God has entrusted you with much, and He's holding you personally responsible for what you do with what He's given you. Another word for this is stewardship. But most of us can't hear this word anymore without thinking about money. Because the church over the years has kind of programmed us. When you hear the word stewardship, you think money. Well, stewardship has to do with being personally responsible for all that God has equipped us with. You play athletics, you've been entrusted. You play in the band, you've been entrusted. Your grandmother, you've been entrusted. You have been equipped by God and He will hold you personally responsible and accountable for how you use what you have. There was a tradesman, a painter named Jack, who was very interested in making a dollar wherever he could. So what he would often do is he would thin down the paint to make it go a little bit further. And as it happened, he usually got away with it because nobody noticed. Eventually the local church decided it needed to be renovated, needed to be painted. And Jack put in a painting bid and because it was the lowest, he got the job. So he started, he erected the trestles and he put up the planks and he began buying the paint and thinning it down with turpentine. Well, one day Jack was up on the scaffolding, painting away. The job was almost near, almost complete. When suddenly there was a horrendous clap of thunder. The sky opened up and it started raining. Poured down and poured down, washing off the thin paint all over the church. Of course, it knocked him off his scaffolding onto the lawn. Well, Jack was no fool. He knew this was a judgment from the Almighty. So he fell on his knees and he cried, Oh God, forgive me. What should I do? 
And out of the thunder, a mighty voice spoke, Repaint, repaint, and and thin no more. Anyway, we're all going to be held responsible. We're all going to be held accountable for what God sends our way. Let's look at this parable from Luke chapter 16 and let's examine what Jesus has to say about personal responsibility. A parable, by the way, is a story in which Jesus takes an everyday occurrence and he uses it as an example to illustrate spiritual truth. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Rich man, he has a manager who's been given responsibility for some of his business. And the manager's now accused of waste. And doesn't this sound like a typical business scenario today? You work for a company and some higher up thinks you're wasting the company's resources. Or even worse, you work for the government. And who in the government is not accused of wasting taxpayers' money? Right? Verse 2. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. He's losing his job, but he still is personally responsible for how he's handled the boss's money. He has to give an account. So he goes out to prepare his report, and then he begins to remember that he's personally responsible for his livelihood. He's got to survive. It's up to him. So he uses his brain. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he said. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied, and he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. Well, these were some pretty hefty bills. 300 gallons of olive oil, that's about what 450 olive trees would produce. A thousand bushels of wheat, that's about 100 acres of land of what it would produce. Now what's going on here? The manager wants to be able to stay with folks in their homes so he won't be out on the street when he loses his job. So he starts giving all the clients a deal. I mean, after all, they owed the boss and he was the boss's manager. Now scholars debate a little bit about what the manager's actually doing here. Was he giving away money which belonged to the boss, in essence stealing it? Or was he relieving the people of interest that was being charged which was not supposed to be charged anyway? You see, what could have been happening is it, he could have been scooting around the commandment in Deuteronomy 23:19, which says that believers aren't to charge other believers' interest. And so by overcharging for the, whatever it was, he was building in his interest there as part of the bill. So in reducing the bills, he may have returned the bills to what they originally should have been in the first place. Thus, the master, he would have been satisfied about what was owed him, and then the, those who owed the debt were, felt like they got a good deal. Someone after the early service suggested maybe he was just cutting out his commission. That could have been what he was doing. 
Well, regardless, he goes from being the wasteful manager to the shrewd manager because he used what was at his disposal to prepare for the future. Verse 8b, the last part of verse 8. Jesus said, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. People of the light, that's God's people. Sadly, that's true again and again and again. We have the, the wisdom of God on our side, yet we, people of the light, tend to act less shrewdly than people of the world. But then Jesus elaborates on the meaning of the parable. Verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Well, you see, he had gained friends for himself so that when he was booted out, he'd have a place to stay and be welcomed to their homes. What are the friends that we're to, to try to gain? Sharing with the needy. Giving to those in need. Using it on things which last eternally. God's work. Not just things that are temporal. So that those things or those people will welcome you into your heavenly home in heaven when you get there one day. This is a little different from spending your worldly wealth on yourself. He is in essence saying use it for others. You want the American dream? Great, go for it. But when you get it, share it in ways which make a difference for eternity. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You are personally responsible with what you've been entrusted with. If it's a little, use it honestly. If it's a lot, use it honestly. Because there's a principle here, one that isn't broken. If you're honest in your finances when you have just a little amount of money, you'll be honest in your finances when you have a lot. If you're dishonest in your finances when you have a little money, then you're going to be dishonest with your finances when you have a lot. You don't pay all your taxes when you have a small amount of money. You won't pay all your taxes when you have a large amount. If you won't help the needy when you only have a little amount of money, you won't help the needy when you have a lot of money. If you don't tithe when you make $100 a month, you won't tithe when you make $10,000 a month. That is, unless you have a come to Jesus meeting and you come to Jesus. And that happens to a lot of folks. You know, you start going through life and people realize their life didn't go on the way it should and they come to the Lord and then the Lord begins to teach them how to live a godly, righteous way. Jesus takes it further. Verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Many of you want to know the Lord better. Many of you want to understand the will of the Lord in your life and in our world. Many of you want to go deeper with God and you want to be filled and understand the life of the Holy Spirit. God is saying to some of you, start being responsible for the material things I've provided for you. Start using what I have given you as a good and shrewd manager. If you can't be personally responsible for these earthly treasures, how can I share with you spiritual treasures? You won't handle them responsibly either. Jesus now goes to the heart of the matter. 
And I wish we didn't need to hear this, but we do. It's so difficult to keep our priorities in order. But we have no excuses. We can't make any. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. I know we want to, but it doesn't work. I know we often try, but it doesn't work. Now let's be real honest for a minute. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, so don't worry about that. But when you examine your week this past week, and you think about the time that you invested in what you did, and the energy you invested in what you did, would you say you served God, or you served money? Did you serve God, or did you serve money? Now, I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about how you went about it. Was it for, for God, or was it for money? Think about it. Be honest with yourself. You can't serve God and money. Now, as Christians, it's imperative that we put God first, not our, not our desire and our need for money. In the culture in which we live, it just comes at us all the time when we're bombarded, and it seems like that is what we want to do. It gets in us, but we've got to put God first. If not, what happens is that in a subtle way, we begin to despise God. We begin to despise His work, His principles, His laws, His commandments, and eventually, His grace. You can't serve God in money. One thing I do on a personal basis to remind me that I'm serving God and not money is that the first checks that I write when I get paid is a tithe on the amount to the work of God. It helps me to focus and to keep God first. You and I are personally responsible for every penny which comes into our possession. Not just the 10% that you often hear about, but we're responsible for it all. If I handle my earthly riches well, God shows and reveals to me heavenly riches or spiritual riches. Just this week in my quiet time, I was reflecting on one of the Proverbs and God showed me that the inner desire, you know what the inner desire of every man is? If I was to ask you, what, what is the inner desire of every man? Well, the inner desire of every man is unfailing love. That's from Proverbs 19.22. It's part of how God made men. And who is the only one who can give men unfailing love? Our wives? No. Our children? No. Our careers? The people involved? No. Only Jesus can give us that unfailing love. Now that's a spiritual treasure. Because what most men typically do is they go through their life and they're trying to fill their life to meet that need of unfailing love with all these other things and they heap it on other people and they, they can't do it. Only God and Jesus Christ can meet that need of unfailing love. If I handle my earthly riches well, then God will reveal to me heavenly riches. By the way, the earthly riches don't make it to heaven. They stay. It's only the heavenly riches, and those are the ones that are to welcome us into our heavenly home. Use your earthly riches to acquire heavenly riches. When Jesus told this parable, we're told in verse 1 that He was talking to His disciples. But evidently it wasn't a private conversation as some of the religious leaders were listening in. And they were not happy 
with what they were hearing. Verse 14. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. They were sneering at him. You ever been sneered at? <laughs> I'm sure both presidential candidates understand what it means to be sneered at. I mean, I hear they get up and give their speeches and people start heckling them and yelling things at them. And I remember the last diocesan convention I attended when I was in the Episcopal Church. I stood on the floor of the convention and attempted to share how the unbiblical decisions they had made about sex had caused so many people pain as we were watching the church that we grew up with abandon its biblical foundation. I was hissed and booed. They were sneering at me. You could see it on their faces. In this passage, we're told that the folks listening to Jesus were sneering at him. Listen to what he says to him, verse 15. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. In other words, all you think about is earthly things, what people think. But God knows your heart. He sees all. You can't hide it from Him. And you will be personally responsible before Him because what is highly valued among people is detestable before God. Strong words. As a believer in Jesus, I found that God loves me so much that if I allow Him, He'll show me how to be responsible for what He's entrusted to me. He wants me to succeed. He wants you to succeed. He wants me to achieve much for Him. He wants you to achieve much for Him. He isn't watching over us with some bully club waiting to pounce on us when we mess up. But we're not let off the hook either. We're held accountable. We have personal responsibility, although it's couched in His grace. You and I will be held accountable for all the gifts He's given us. You are called to be personally responsible for what you are doing with what you have and who you are. Are you a person who is serving God or serving money? Are you a person who's using what you are and who you are for Him or using it for the world or for yourself? You cannot make excuses. You will be held personally responsible before Him. This morning, I want to end the sermon by just saying that I'm sure there may be someone here who's never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never yielded up to your life to His Lordship, or you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning to take personal responsibility for the greatest gift that God has given you. Your soul. Your soul. That's what's going to be with you forever. So if you've not asked Him into your life, what better day than this? To humble yourself before Him and invite Him into your life. And to the rest of us, what a challenge we have to live as He's called us to live. So I'd like to go, for a moment of, go into a moment of quiet prayer. I want to invite you to bow your heads. And if you're here this morning and you need to ask the Lord into your life, I want to invite you to do that right now in your own way, in your own words, silently before Him.
Our Father, teach us all how to be good stewards, good managers of all the gifts you've given us. And Father, if there was someone here that prayed this morning, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. That they would be overflowing with the abundance of the new life that you give in Jesus. May they learn to walk in the power of your Spirit and in the life of grace. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something and and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do and get your life right to him? Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.